Are the lights on? Good. Welcome to Listen with the Lights On. I'm Jessica Blaustein Marshall. And I'm Patrick Garrett. Today, we are exploring the legend of the Loudoun Cottage and its association with President Abraham Lincoln. The home was owned by Albany Judge Ira Harris, where his daughter Clara and Union Army officer Henry Rathborn came to recuperate after being guests of the president in Ford's Theater when he was assassinated. Mark Bodner is a Civil War historian and president of Colony's Historical Society, and he's here to tell us this tale. Mark, welcome to Listen with the Lights On. Well, thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. So do you mind telling us the story of the Loudoun Cottage? I'd like to start with a brief story about Abraham Lincoln. He was elected in the November 1860 elections in Springfield. And on his train trip down to Washington, he had to come east first. And in doing so, they turned right and went south at Albany, New York. Now, he was met at Albany by Ira Harris, who was the new United States senator from Albany. He had formed Albany Law School. And Ira Harris greeted him, President Lincoln and Mrs. Lincoln, when they got off the train and put them up at the Delavan House, which is now where Union Station stands. Well, that evening, Ira Harris took Abraham Lincoln to the theater in downtown Albany. It was the Gaiety Theater. And two plays were playing at the time. Romeo and Juliet was one, and the other was The Apostate. And starring in each one of those plays was a well-known thespian by the name of John Wilkes Booth. And it's felt that this is the first time that Abraham Lincoln ever laid eyes on John Wilkes Booth. And it was complete coincidence? Yes, yes. That's interesting. That is not something you hear in the history books at all. No, it's not. (laughs) Right down the street from us. (laughs) Yeah, they don't teach this stuff in the schools, you know. But now, a lot of people also don't know that the night that Lincoln was assassinated, there were two people from Albany sitting in that state box balcony seat with him. Now, He was there with his wife, Mrs. Lincoln. The two people from Albany happened to be Clara Harris, the daughter of Senator Ira Harris, and her fiancé, Major Henry Reed Rathbone. They were both in that balcony seat the same night. And after Booth got in, and we all know this story, Booth shoots Lincoln in the back of the head with a single-shot Derringer at close range, and he goes to make his escape, but Henry Reed Rathbone was a major in the Army at the time, and he had seen some battles. He had been involved in in some combat. Well, what he did was when he heard the report from the Derringer, he stood up and he goes to grab John Wilkes Booth so he doesn't get away. Well, John Wilkes Booth drops his Derringer and pulls out a large knife. Um, It's called a camp knife. He stabbed him in the left arm. He put his arm up to defend himself and he got stabbed right in here, the wound going in about six inches deep. Rathbone started bleeding profusely, but it's at that point that John Wilkes Booth jumps off the balcony seat, lands on the stage awkwardly, kind of breaks his leg and limps off the back and makes his escape. And we all know the story from there. But what happened in the state box afterward is something that people don't hear about. Of course, Abraham Lincoln is dying. But Clara Harris, who was invited by the Lincolns to go with Henry Reed Rathbone to the theater that night, happened to be wearing a white satin dress. Well, the first thing she does is she takes her fiance, Henry Reed Rathbone's, in her arms and he's bleeding profusely. Blood is getting all over this white satin dress. And ultimately, they're all brought across the street to the Peterson house, where, as we know, Abraham Lincoln passes away. Prior to that, Henry Reed Rathbone is assisted by, uh, to by a doctor, and he's brought back to his residence. But Clara Harris opted to stay at the Peterson house with Mrs. Lincoln. 
to give her some comfort. Henry Reed Rathrell never really forgave her for that. He thought that her place was with her fiancé, not with Mrs. Lincoln. But at any rate, what happens later is that she had written home that her dress was literally saturated with blood. And as she's helping Mrs. Lincoln, and Mrs. Lincoln sees the blood all over her dress, Hmm. she says, oh, my husband's blood, my dear husband's blood. But it wasn't. It was Henry Reed Rathbone's blood. Abraham Lincoln's wound bled very little. In fact, it bled more when they probed it with their finger to try to you know, figure out where the, the ball had rested, which was behind his left eye. Eight, uh, 19th century medicine right yeah. That's right. <laughs> the infection. <laughs> Didn't use any antiseptic, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, that summer, the summer of 1865, Clara and Henry go back to their the cottage. We talked about Loudon Cottage. That was Ira Harris's summer home. They had a house in Albany. But he had this cottage where he could go and relax away from the hustle and bustle of Albany. Henry Reed and Clara go there that summer, and she takes her dress. She didn't have the heart to throw the dress away, even though it was never going to be able to be used again. So she hangs the dress in a closet. And that's where it stayed until April 14, 1866, one year after Lincoln's assassination. And she's in the room, and she's sleeping, and she awakes to the sound of low laughter. And she swears that what she heard was Abraham Lincoln's laughter during the night that they were at the theater. Hmm. She comes down to breakfast. She tells everyone about it. And they said, no, you must be mistaken. You know, you must have been dreaming. That couldn't have been Abraham Lincoln. He's been gone for a year. One year later, guests are at the cottage. And they come to breakfast reporting the same thing that Clara Harris reported the year before. So an anniversary type thing. That's right. Where is the Loudon House or the Loudon Cottage located? Does anyone know? You're Cherry right. Hill Road, is that right? I've Cherry Tree it. Lane. Cherry Tree Lane. I knew it had a cherry in it. <laughs> it's right by the intersection of uh, Route 9 and Route 378 down near the end of Osborne Road. The house is still there. It's still there. Now, Henry was never the same after the assassination. In fact, he kind of went crazy a little bit. And in 1882, he was suffering from depression and uh, having the president assassinated. Having anyone assassinated in front of you will probably mess you up. I guess you're right. So in 1882, Henry and Clara and their family, they had three children by this time, they went to Europe and they were seeking help or a cure for his worsening psychological condition. It was in 1883 when they were in Hanover, Germany, that Henry finally lost it. He had gotten the children out of the bedroom. He barricaded the door with only he and Clara in the room, and he pulled out a gun that he had bought in Germany, and he shot Clara twice in the chest. At that point, he pulled out a large knife, similar to the one that John Wilkes Booth used, and he stabbed her. Now, she would have survived the two gunshots to the chest, but it was the knife that killed her. The knife pierced her heart. Her last words to her sister at the time after they broke into the room were, he's finally done it, he's finally killed us all. After he stabbed Clara, he took the knife and stabbed himself five times in the chest. He was much more successful at murder than he was at suicide, for he lived. He was placed in an insane asylum in Germany, and he died there in 1911. Wow. It's kind of gruesome, but it's a true story, and it's a story about local history. These people were from Albany, New York. So he was kind of, in essence, reenacting the Lincoln assassination on his wife. Exactly right. Hit the nail on the head. He used the gun, and he used the knife. That's a little coincidental. Sure is. But was it, or did he really think it through that way? No one knows. Now, whatever happened to that white satin dress that was hanging in the Loudon Cottage? 
I mentioned that um, Henry Reed Rathbone and Clara Harris had three children. Their oldest child was Henry Riggs Rathbone. Ironically, Henry Riggs Rathbone was born on February 12th, 1870. Abraham Lincoln was born on February 12th. So you talk about superstitious or, you know, coincidence. The connection between that family and Lincoln is just so exactly. intertwined. Yep. Mm-hmm. Soon after Henry Riggs Rathbone, their son, reached maturity, he had the closet bricked up with the dress in it. He felt as though that nobody needed to be reminded of this gruesome thing anymore. His mother was dead and his father's in an insane asylum. So he just decided it's better off that it, it's there, it stays there. Nobody needs to look at it anymore. And yet in 1910, one year before his father died, he broke down the bricks and he took the dress and he threw it in the fireplace and burned it. His words were, this dress has brought my family enough agony. And he, he thought it had cursed them. Yet he went on to become a congressman in his own right. Now, the house on Cherry Tree Lane, as I mentioned, is still there. And since the white satin dress was burned in 1910, no one has reported any other laughter from Abraham Lincoln or uh, any other sightings uh, of uh, Abraham Lincoln have been reported. They just ended in 1911? Is that when you said the dress? 1910 is when he burned it, yeah. Wow. Is the cottage open to the public? Is it a historical landmark? or? No, it's not. In fact, the cottage isn't even on the same footprint that it used to be on back when the Harris's owned it. Uh, it was moved, I think, across the street and then uh, eastward, uh, so it's it's on a different foundation. But it's still there, and it's been added onto a little bit. Is it on the historical register, though? Does It, it just doesn't have any protection? Nothing. It's privately owned. Ah, okay. I wonder if the person that owns the place knows what uh, happened there. <laughs> I think it would be hard the, to avoid. They're listening you're... in right now. <laughs> Isn't there some kind of a, a law or real estate with real estate that you have to to like mention if the house is haunted or if somebody disclose, died there or something like that? You have, you have to, to disclose, disclose odd things, even hauntings, which is you know superstition, but it's still actually technically illegal to not disclose that. I don't know if it counts from as far back then, since it's... There's not been any reported sightings or anything since then. I don't think so. I think the people that own the house know it. There was an article that was put into the Times Union, I want to say it was in the 1970s, and um, the people that resided in the house at that time, I don't know if it's the same family, but they were aware of it, and uh, they had said that, no, there's nothing going on there right now. They had remodeled everything, and you know what they say, when you remodel a house, that brings out the spirits because they don't like it changed, but... Obviously, there's a lot of Lincoln enthusiasts, Civil War enthusiasts around. Mm-hmm. Do they just come by and try to see the house? Do they come to you? Is there a lot of activity around this myth, or has there been? I've only had a couple of people mention it to me. I think most people don't even know about it. Well, now they do. <laughs> <laughs> there is one more connection to this area with the Lincoln assassination, if you want to hear it. Absolutely. Uh, okay. After... Booth assassinated Lincoln, he and one of the co-conspirators, David Harold, were making their getaway trying to get down into Virginia where they thought they'd find a a safe place to to hold up. At one point, they were approached by three horsemen, a Lieutenant William Jett, a Lieutenant Mortimer Bainbridge Ruggles, and his cousin, Absalom Ruggles Bainbridge. You'll find out you're not going to confuse these two guys. The three horsemen wound up escorting Booth and David Harold to the farm of Richard Garrett, which the next day, that's where they were encircled by the Union Cavalry, and ultimately that's where Booth was shot and killed. Well, what happened to these three men? 
one in particular, Absalom Ruggles Bainbridge. After the war, he moved to New York City. He got married. They had three children. After 11 years, they divorced, so he was on his own, and he took a job with the A.T. Stewart Dry Goods Company. He was an interior decorator, and his job took him to many faraway places, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, St. Louis, and Albany, New York. That was going to be my next guess. (laughs) (laughs) Now, while in Albany, he somehow befriended a woman whose name was Harriet Hotailing. Now, I don't know that there was any hanky-panky going on. Harriet Hotailing was a married woman. But when Absalom Bainbridge died in May of 1902, he is buried in her plot in Albany Rural Cemetery. One of the guys that helped John Wilkes Booth get away, at least to the point of the Garrett Farm, is buried in the town of Colony. Which is just a shot down the road from Loudon Cottage, right? Uh, that's yeah. It's um, probably a mile and a half away. I hope I don't have any ancestors named Richard Garrett, <laughs> as my name is Patrick Garrett. You might want to look that up, <laughs> just in case. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not delving into that. <laughs> Three stories of uh, local connections to the assassination of Abraham Lincoln, and I, I also heard that somebody saw. I don't. I couldn't find this written, but I've heard this. Part of the lore that we talk about is that they saw an apparition of Lincoln in a rocking chair rocking back and forth, and it was kind of a transparent see-through figure that they saw. Very ghostly. Yeah. Hmm. I'm just still wondering about the connection with the dress. I mean, it wasn't his blood. I mean, I don't know how these things work or if they're even working, but but what, but what I'm thinking is how, like, you know, spiritually it was, like, attached to the dress or something or just the significance of the dress. I mean, these people were like seriously psychologically damaged by this experience. So I don't know. It's just an interesting connection. It's a creepy story. You're right. Um, And when I tell this, I I do tours at Albany Rural Cemetery, and we stop at Ira Harris's gravestone. I tell the story of Henry Reed and Clara. And only a couple people pick up on that. So it's very observant that uh, it wasn't Abraham Lincoln's blood. It was Henry's. So why is Abraham Lincoln laughing in their house? I don't know. And why did she keep the dress? (laughs) Why? (laughs) I would have gotten rid of that thing the second that it happened. Well, from what I've read, she just didn't have the heart to throw it away. Right. Like I was saying before, when you have sort of a psychological trauma like that, it might be hard to it might be hard to let go of something like that. Um, I would at least take it to the dry cleaners, though. (laughs) I know they didn't have those back in the day. (laughs) So thank you, Mark Brodner, for joining us uh, this week on Listen With The Lights On. You're very welcome. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us. Listen with the lights on as a production of WAMC. Our theme music is Grizzly Reminder by Midnight Syndicate. For more spine-tingling tales, check out our podcast or head to wamc.org.